Nice. It's good, good to be here. Um, am I on, Liam? I'm on. I'm on. James said, "Do I? Would I like to come and speak?" And <laughs> everything in me said, "No," <laughs> because it's been a bit of a week. Uh, this time last week, I was in Romania, and uh, I have been specifically asked uh, from. Now, let me see if I can get this right. Partasia Vieci Cristina. That is Christian Life Fellowship in Romanian, I think, <laughs> uh, to bring you greetings and to thank you um, for allowing me to, to be with them. And they did specifically ask me to do that this time. So I've done it. You know, we're brothers and sisters together in Christ. And it was good to be with them. Uh, I, I said to uh, someone during the week uh, that I was with the guys on the Wednesday evening we were having a meal and it was just so great we were friends together we weren't just people from different nations we were, we were friends together and they were pulling my leg unmercifully so, <laughs> so I think if they're doing that then we must be friends I hope <laughs> anyway it's, uh, we are as um, James has said, we're, we're looking at what it means to be committed to life, well, life church, really. Uh, we've been looking at our aim, and our aim can be summarized, I think, in those very three, uh, three very clear words, uh, to live, learn, and love. And that's, that's so easy to keep in our heads. But now, what does it mean to be committed to life, to be committed. So this is the question. Why commit to life church? In fact, we could ask a broader question. Why commit to any local church? Because there are some who say, oh, I don't really want to need to be committed. I'm, I'm committed to the whole body of Christ or to the, the church worldwide. And actually that really doesn't stack up because how can you be committed to something like that and not be committed sort of locally where it's visible? I mean, in a way, I'm, I'm committed to the, to the guys in Romania but not in the same way as I am here because for better or worse, we live in the same town, we're in the same church together and uh, that's where we're at. So let me, let me give you two reasons, and I think there are many, but just before we get going on this, let me give you two reasons why I believe it is necessary to be committed to local church. In other words, in Beckles, we trust to this local church, because when you became a Christian, you were born into a family. You know, one of the most common expressions today is that we're church family. We use it here and in fact we use it across the stream of churches that we're part of and if you, if you look at other church websites, it's a very common description today to call church family and so we are. For better or worse, you know, we're born into our natural families, we don't choose that but we've been born again into God's family. God is our father. Jesus is our brother. We're co-heirs with him. The Holy Spirit has made us children of God. Isn't that amazing? You and I, we are children of God. 
and we are brothers and sisters together. That's the reality. And we're born into a family, and it's not good when families are separate from each other. As uh, many of us probably know, in, in normal family life, there can be tensions and difficulties. And, and it's, it's horrible when families are divided. So it is with the family of God. We need to be together. So that's, that's for me, is a good reason. But for me, a more compelling reason is this. That when you are born again, you become a member of the body of Christ. You become part of the body of Jesus. And now, a body cannot lose a part of itself without suffering. And we need to be together visibly representing Jesus to Beckles, to Halesworth, to Bungie, to wherever we live, because we are the body of Christ. And you and I cannot do that as individuals, represent the, the body of Christ in that way. We need to be together. So that's just sort of general reasons before we actually get going this morning. Why should we commit to a local church? Why should we commit to Life Church? Because we need and we must we want to be the body of Christ in this area, ministering as Jesus did to those who need him. So two more comments. You'll think you're never going to get going at this rate, but two more, two more comments. When we talk about being a member, being committed to, I'm going to change that in a minute. We're not about brownie points. This isn't about being good enough to belong to a local church. You know, we're a rare bunch of people, aren't we? Oh, we really are. You know the, you know the old saying, if, if, if you find the perfect church, don't join it, because you'll spoil it. <laughs> and there's no way that we are the perfect church. That's not a criticism. It can't be, because I'm in it. <laughs> We're in it. So it's not about being good enough. Thank God we're not under law. Thank God we're not under rules and regulations. But we're under grace. Isn't that beautiful? We're under the loving kindness and goodness of God. That's another comment. We're talking here about commitment rather than membership. Now, I, I'm, the, the word member is, is a good word because we are members or limbs or parts of the body of Christ. So there's a good side to the word membership, but there's also a sort of modern overtone that actually we're a sort of club of which you're a member. When we first went into ministry, we got to church. I looked down the membership list. Who's that? Oh, well, she lives in the village, but she never comes. Who's that? Oh, he lives, he lives out there, but he never comes. 
but they're members of the church. Well, they, yeah, they want to be members of the church. And I said, in my youthful innocence, I guess, that's nonsense. How can you be a member of something and never be there? And uh, some of us will know this sort of horror story from Baptist times where, <laughs> where there's a crucial church meeting and people who are members come in, they never come at any other time, and vote out what the leaders feel God has been saying. And I've seen that happen. It's not happened to me personally, but I've certainly heard others say about it. So we avoid the word member and membership because it has that sort of bad overtone. Rather, we're committed together. We're committed to each other. It's a dynamic, ongoing, wonderful thing. We're committed. Right. So, who can commit to life? The answer follows of Jesus. Quite simply. So let's go back to basics. I'm now starting. Here we go. I don't know how long I've been going. I'm now starting. (laughs) And we're going back to basics here. Back to Acts chapter 2. When the people heard this, this is Peter's speech or sermon, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, what brothers, what should we do? Key points these. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the background for what I'm going to say this morning. not actually going to expound the, the passage, but this passage is the background for all I'm now going to bring to you. So, commit to life. What does it mean? Who's going to commit to life church. What are we looking for? What is Jesus looking for, for those who are committed to this expression of local church? First of all, people who know Jesus, and I put it this way, who have a clear testimony. Do you know, I read something the other day 
and uh, the guy who wrote it said, I'm really upset. My, a lot of my friends, God delivered them from drugs. Some were rescued from prison. Some were leading awful, immoral lifestyles. And God stepped into their life and saved them. He said, but my testimony is so ordinary. hasn't got any of that. Have you ever felt like that? That your testimony is too ordinary? I have. You know, you've heard people say, oh, I was doing this, I was doing that, and the other, and then I met Jesus. <laughs> and this man was saying, but I was brought up in a Christian home. And my parents taught me faithfully. And then one day, I, I was faced with the challenge and I accepted Jesus as Lord and Saviour and I've gone on from there. Very ordinary. Not very exciting. But praise God for an ordinary testimony. Eh? Praise God for a family that brought someone up to know Jesus. A, a wonderful testimony, really. And anyway, what's the most important? What Jesus did for you 5, 10, 15, 20 more years ago? Or what he means to you now? And what we're looking for, what Jesus is looking for, people who can say, I know Jesus is my Lord and my Saviour now. I know he leads and guides me. I know that the Spirit is at work in my life. I know that when I pray to the Father, he, he hears me. And praise God, I've seen some prayers answered. I know that he's helped me through this time of difficulty. I know he's blessed me in this way. I know that I had to trust him in this circumstance and he came through. This is my present testimony that Jesus is real, that God is my Father, that the Holy Spirit is leading me. That's important, isn't it? The people who know Jesus now. So if you came to Jesus originally in a clear and dramatic way, praise God. He's wonderful. If your testimony is ordinary and not very, inverted commas, exciting, praise God. Praise God that you know him now and that he knows you. And that's it. People who are followers of Jesus who have a clear testimony now. And if you haven't, and if things are a bit difficult, well then, we can pray for you. Somebody can pray for you. Your friends can pray for you. And that reality can come back. Because there are times it disappears for all of us. Because actually, our security doesn't rest on what I feel, but on what he says and has said. So, that's the first thing. People with a clear testimony. And then, who have been baptised as a believer. That's what Peter said. The, 
at the end of his sermon, the, the people stood up and asked Peter and the others, what, what should we do? And he said, repent and be baptized. And that's what we're looking for. People who have been baptized as a believer. Now I know that this immediately puts us out of step with our Anglican friends, Roman Catholic friends, Methodist friends, United Reform friends and some others. It puts us out of step with them. But of course we're in step with Baptists, with uh, many independent churches, with most Pentecostal churches. We're in step with them. It is a divide. It is a divide amongst God's people. But we are convinced that baptism is for the believer. And we've spoken on this several times over recent months. Baptism is a personal step or act of faith and commitment. How did Peter know that those people had accepted his message? Because he said, repent and be baptised. So their baptism was a, a visible, outward demonstration of their inward repentance and turning to God and faith and trust in what Jesus had done. That's what baptism, first of all, is. It's for the individual. I look back on my baptism and I, I understand much more about it now than I did when I was actually baptised. And that's great because it means more and more and more to me, actually. But even, even as I stand here, I, I know that when I was plunged under the water, I opened my eyes and I could see the top of the, ch the church building under the water. I mean, fortunately... Uh, Michael, my pastor, he pulled me up pretty quickly and I didn't swallow any water. But, but it would, to me, it's a, a dramatic, pivotal moment in my life as a believer, as a follower of Jesus. Nothing like it. It's a personal act of faith and commitment. If you've been baptised as a believer... Look back on it and ask God to teach you more about it because it's amazing and can mean more and more the, the more you go on. Secondly, but it is a corporate act involving the church. Interestingly, Luke, writing this account, says, and there were added to the church, added to that company of believers, 3,000 people. Repent, baptism, added to the church. I remember talking many years ago to uh, someone who had a, a brethren background and this lady kept talking about being baptised and added as one thing. And actually that's very biblical because it's into the church. There's a very complex verse in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 where Paul says... For by or in one spirit we were all baptised with respect to one body and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Paul uses the image of baptism there as a foundation for the unity of the church as the spirit gives different gifts. 
It is a church corporate event, which is why it's not done in secret. As the person is baptized in water, he's saying to those who are around them, who are believers, I belong to you. And as the believers see a person plunged under the water and then rising again, dying with Christ and rising with him, they're saying, you belong to us. And we need to hold on to that dimension of baptism. And that's why those who are committed to life baptised as believers. But, and very much allied to that, one folks who are filled with the Spirit repent, be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is quite clear that in the New Testament, being filled or baptised with the Spirit, I haven't got time to theologically go into this this morning, but but being baptised or filled with the Spirit is a knowable event. Nobody in the New Testament has to be told, you were filled with the Spirit, you know. And the person says, was I? Because that's what happens today. But in the New Testament, to be filled with the Spirit is a knowable event. Something happened. Maybe they spoke in tongues. Or let's put it in a modern way, maybe they spoke in a different language given by the Holy Spirit. Maybe there was a prophet prophetic outpouring. They began to exalt and praise God and and prophesy in that way. You read through the Acts of of the Apostles sometimes, there was a healing. Or, if nothing is mentioned, you can still see that something significant happened that impacted itself on those people. It was a knowable event. And I believe that's what the Lord still wants for us. God still wants for us. It's a knowable event because it's an entrance into the supernatural. In a sense, that's why Paul, in the verse I've already quoted to you from 1 Corinthians 12, 13, says, baptism and spirit. We were all baptized and we were all made to drink from one spirit. Why? because he's talking about supernatural gifts in that chapter. And I ask myself, and I hope gently I ask us, thank God for the little bit of supernatural that we have. But there should be more. Where is it? Really? God, you can do it again. He's the same God. He's the same Lord Jesus. He's the same Holy Spirit. So, in Life Church, we want to be a company of those who know what it is to be filled with the Spirit.
or those who are seeking to know what that means. To be a dynamic, spirit-empowered people. God, do it here. That's what I say. Do it here. Oh, deliver us. Please understand what I'm going to say. God, deliver us from religion and free us into your life because that's what's going to make a difference. That's what's going to impact Beckles and Bungie and Halesworth and beyond. God, do it. Take hold of us and do something significant. Filled with the Spirit. Number four, we're entering slightly different territory here. This isn't really, oh, I hate the word qualification. This isn't a qualification for, for being committed to life, but actually it's in life is something that we should do and what we seek to be part of is breaking bread together. And we read, don't we, in, in, again in, in Acts chapter 2, how they broke bread together in one another's homes. And clearly, they were, they were thinking of how Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread and broke it. And he took that simple act, which was part then of the Passover meal, and he took the bread, and in front of them, he broke the bread, and he said... Imagine, imagine the disciples at that point almost holding their breath. What's he going to say? What is happening to us here? We know the authorities are closing in. We know this is a dark night and yet this is Passover. What's he going to say? And he didn't do the traditional thing. He broke the bread and he said, this is my body. Now, I don't believe he meant that literally because he was still there with them. But he was saying, as this bread is broken, so my body will be broken. And it's for you. And then he took the cup of thanksgiving. Because there were four cups in that meal. He took the cup of thanksgiving. And instead just of giving thanks, he said, this cup is a symbol. It, it's the new covenant, the new agreement in my blood. With this meal, the old covenant has gone. The old agreement is finished. It's the new one. And it's in my blood. As my body is broken and as my blood is shed on the cross, 
you and my Father can now stand in a new relationship individually and together. That's why it's a very important part of our worship. Not to be taken lightly. Not to be glossed over. But it's important for us together. Yes, individually. But together. An opportunity pray and minister as we break bread together as we drink the wine together we remember with each other we're in the new covenant we're in the new testament the new covenant this is what Jesus has done for me and this is what Jesus has done for you this is what Jesus has done for us. And we can pray and minister and seek God for each other. Individually, we examine ourselves. That's what Paul says. Let a person examine his or herself. And then, together, eat the bread and drink from the cup much more we could say on this much 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 more but in life church that's why we're going to do this regularly because it's not an add on it's not an afterthought actually it's pretty central because it's focusing on Jesus and the cross and, of course, we do it until he comes again. So it's focusing on his resurrection and his glory. Much more we could say. No time. Last point. And, yes, we want people who, who stand with us in what we believe. What do we believe? Well... The Evangelical Alliance basis of faith will be a good start. Everybody knows that off by heart, don't you? <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> you must know that. No, we don't. Even I don't know it off by heart. But let me just say what it means. What, what is the Evangelical Alliance statement of faith? It's just a sort of generic statement. There are a little bits uh, uh, that, that we would add. But it's, it talks about the Trinity. It talks about God that's created. It talks about Jesus and his deity and, and what he's done for us on the cross and his burial and his death, and, uh, burial and his rising again and his coming again. It talks about the, the Godhead, of the Godhead and the divinity of the Trinity and so on. And it talks about the, the word of God being our standard. The Evangelical Alliance basis of faith, with a little bit of change, is the benchmark for what we, we teach. And it's, so we're evangelical, but more important, I believe, and it's part of this, is the Word of God. I believe, folks, that the, with the changes, the seismic changes 
that are going on in our society at the moment, we are going to have to stand on the word of God like we've never had to before. So we need to know it and understand it and interpret it wisely and not deviate from it. Because in our society, we are going to be challenged on things that are in the Word. No doubt. I believe that's true. I believe it's coming. You just have to read things that are going on to see that that's happening. We want to be a church, a fellowship, a local church of the Word. Yes of the Spirit. Yes of supernatural encounter. Yes of full-blown experience. But yes, a local church that bases its life on the Word of God. Because God is faithful to his word and all that we need is in here and anything that happens that is at odds with this book is not to be received now that's an easy thing for me to say it's not always an easy thing to work out but we need to trust what God has said Because his word, as a dear friend of ours said many years ago, his word is his word is his word. And we need to stand on it. So, I don't expect you to know the Evangelical Alliance basis of <laughs> But that's our benchmark. But we do want to be a people who know Jesus and who love the word of God and who rejoice in the ministry of the Spirit. So, in summary, what does it mean to commit to life? Clear testimony. Today, this is what Jesus means. I rejoice in being baptised as a believer I'm filled with the Spirit, mind you. I might have been filled some time ago. I've got to keep on being filled. We're a bit like leaky pots, aren't we? You need to go on being, being filled, says, says Paul to the Ephesians. Keep on being, being filled. And actually, that's a, that is a, that's a corporate understanding there in those verses. That's not just individual. That's together with us as a church. Together we need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to be those who break bread together and understand its significance as, as a corporate thing as well as individual thing. And we need to be those who know what we believe. We should always be able to give a reason for the hope that is within us, says Peter. We need to know what we believe and Why? which is crucial. 
This is what I believe, and this is why I believe it. That's what it means to commit to life. Don't be overwhelmed. None of us have got there. We've all, in a sense, got our, our L plates on. We have. You know? So don't worry about it in that sense. But this is where we are. This is what we've seen. So, our aim, and I put in part because we could expand this, but as far as being committed to Life Church, I believe this. We want to be a company of Jesus followers who form a grace-filled word and spirit church. That we rejoice in the grace of God and say we're only where we are because he helps us. You can't do it on your own efforts. We can't do it by our own efforts. But where we can't, he can. That's what we've said today. Where he can't, we can. We believe we're going to get this building. But actually, church isn't building. The church is you and me. For better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and health, till one gets promoted to glory before the other. <laughs> We're together. God, fill us with your spirit. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we just ask again, will you make us into the people that you want us to be? Will you help us to move together in the spirit, help us to be faithful to your word. And Lord, we worship you and we praise you that you've called us to be together. Ask that no one will feel excluded, everyone will feel included, and that Lord, we will see your kingdom come, your church grow in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen.